0: Welcome to the Sugar Science Podcast. Our mission is to highlight and connect researchers in the type 1 diabetes space. I'm Monica Wesley for the Sugar Science, and I'm your host for today's podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Christine Bender. She is a postdoc at um, the La Jolla Institute of Immunology, working with Matthias von Herath. And her work um, is, you know, uh, she has a couple of papers that I'm going to remark on, but she has a really exciting new paper that just has come out. Um, One paper that I really enjoyed reading was in Diabetes 2017, Islet Express CXCL10 Promotes Autoimmune Destruction of Islet Isographs in Mice with T1D. And that was a really well done paper, very um, particular, very, um, uh, you know, just a a great um, scientific method. So it's a very enjoyable paper if anyone would like to take a look at it. But I'd like to talk more about this paper that's coming out in October. Science, it's coming out in Science Advances. It's um, Healthy es- Exocrine Pancreas Contains pre Specific to CD8 Plus T-cells that attack islets in T1D. So I'm excited to talk to uh, you about that, Christine, and welcome.
1: Hi, Monica. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Oh, no, no problem. It's totally our pleasure. Um, Can you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what, you know, what brought you to this type of work? What, uh, you know, how did you become scientifically interested in type one diabetes? You know, this realm that you're working in specifically.
1: We have um, type one diabetes in our family and I I know and I see how challenging it is to live with type 1 diabetes. And today, as you know, there's no cure for type 1. And um, we still don't know, we still don't understand the initiation of the disease and why certain people develop it and the others not. So before um, I joined Matthias von Herat's lab as a postdoc from Germany, I did my PhD in Frankfurt at the University Hospital Frankfurt, Frankfurt. And I used to work with mouse models. And after my PhD, I wanted to better understand the human uh, pathology. So I saw the opportunity to join Matthias' lab to study um, cd T cells in the human pancreas.
0: Yeah, and that is a big difference um, uh, just from an anatomical structure. Uh, I, although the mouse models have been very helpful um, in establishing you know, what's going on and they're accessible, whereas the human pancreas isn't. We talked a little bit about that. But um, what do you think, uh, you know, in coming to the human side of things, you know, what have, what? have how has that uh, expanded your research?
1: So we know that, or we learn from the human pathology that the eyelids are, they look different, they have a different size, and also um, insulitis is different than in what we've seen in NOD mice or other viral-induced mouse models. And um, also the infiltration, we have a massive infiltration in, for example, NOD mice. We see insulitis in humans too, but the numbers of T cells are less compared to what we know from uh, the mouse studies and also the insulitis is globular. So when you look at one pancreas section from a 1D a donor, you see that there are islets that are infiltrated. They have um, CD8 cells present around the islets, but also uh, infiltrating the islets. But there are also uh, areas in the pancreas that are not um, infiltrated. So why is that so? Why are some infiltrated and the others not? So it's very interesting to look at the human pancreas and you look into, uh, into human uh, islets and how, yeah. do they
0: have, how how they're infiltrated it's, it's, it's like a patchiness, right? Yeah. It's kind of a yes. patchy um, immune attack. And that's interesting because I did uh, go to the Riggs Levine meeting in last February and there was oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't know you. At time, no, I but. didn't. I wish we had known each other then, but maybe we'll attend another one in the future. I, I love that meeting. It's so interesting. They have. Yeah. I enjoyed
1: a, it too.
0: Yeah. A lot of different. It was really good people it's a boutique meeting but it's very it's very sort of wide reaching but they had um i think his name was John Harris was there from UMass and he was talking about vitiligo and it was so interesting cuz he was talking about how it's patchy right? oh yes
1: yes yeah, i really oh, it was so interesting how much we can learn also from other autoimmune diseases yes yeah
0: so it's just kind of curious that it's a patchy kind of immune attack like you were talking about
1: yeah, that's, well,
0: I, remember, I remember the talk. Yes, you're right. Yeah, it was neat. It was a neat talk. Um, and so let's talk about this new work because this is kind of exciting and, and it's fantastic that you got this paper to, uh, to publication during the whole COVID. i yes. It was a long road,
1: yeah.
0: I know. So what, what you wanted to, let's, let's talk about it. So what, let's start at the beginning. What, what were you guys looking at and, and what, what did you see? Sort of walk us through so it. we
1: looked at, we wanted to uh, characterize uh, CD80 cells. As we know that uh, the dominant population, that it is dominant uh, immune infiltrates in the human pancreas, in the islets. So we wanted to better understand uh, what these uh, CD80 cells recognize. Mm-hmm. So in, in our study, we looked at uh, pre specific um, CD80 cells, uh the cells that recognize the epitopes 15 to 24 of the precursor um, molecule of insulin Mm -hmm. and what was really um exciting and interesting to see our first main finding was that these uh, antigen specific cells are already present in the healthy exocrine pancreas from healthy donors so what we did in our study we we Basically, we picked three different compartments. We define them as the exocrine regions, then uh, we picked islets and defined the region around an island as islet neighboring areas. And then also, of course, we looked at the islets. So we had three different regions, and um, we picked the regions across um, the human section. Okay. So now one that detail. So, the main finding was that these cells are already present in the in healthy pancreas. And then we looked at autoantibody positive cases. And we found that the numbers are higher in autoantibody positive cases compared to healthy. So, and the number increases in type 1D. So, in type 1D, we also found these uh, PPI, we call it PPI, short PPI, specific cd ET cells in the eyelids uh, from donors with type 1 diabetes. So it looked like uh, that with disease duration, the number of the cells increases and we find uh, or we found the cells in the
0: islets of donors which have one diabetes. And so something something. oh sorry, I yes, was go ahead. to say, what, um, was there any kind of specific age group that you were looking at when you saw this? No, we haven't looked at
1: specific age
0: group. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah it's it's it is interesting right because we talked a little bit beforehand that uh, kids that present younger the two to three-year-old time frame sometimes will have this uh, ppi antibody right yeah the challenge you know the challenge with human uh, donor section is
1: that um they're they're rare and very precious so we we don't have that many time points during to study during disease development, and we are very grateful to have these the samples or to receive these samples from from NPOD. But of course, it would be great to have different time points and different stages of the disease to be able to study, um, yeah, to study the, the numbers or frequencies during disease development. But even here with this study, we were able to see that these cells are present in healthy. That means they're they're tolerant to these uh, antigens, and they're present. They're they're not in the islets, or maybe we found or two or three that were positive, but they're really rare. But the numbers increases during disease development, and then there are many in type one close to the islets and in the islets, and especially in insulin containing islets compared to insulin deficient islets. So it was insulin was kind of important, and um, we don't know why these cells kind of. In, it looks like in in healthy donors, these cells are tolerant or cd cells are tolerant to these antigenes, but something during the disease triggers the interest for the islets, and they maybe migrate towards the islets to kill them. But what triggers them? Why do they become um, aggressive? Why do why do they kill the islets? So yeah. that's another question it's we have to. We don't know yet. Yes, are these. We know that MHC class 1 is upregulated in type 1, and there are other cytokines that are involved. But what, what really triggers um, the migration of these cells? Why do, they, why do they migrate to the eyes? Why do they attack the eyelids in type 1? So yeah, they, I mean, if it's they have not tolerance. Really, Yeah, so what, what breaks exactly? What breaks intolerance?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we found, so before, when, um, when other scientists, there are studies that looked at peripheral uh, blood and the presence of these antigen-specific cells in in the blood of um, um, type 1D patients and uh, control um, individuals. And they found that uh, antigen-specific cells are also present in the peripheral blood. Some studies show that there's a difference between healthy and control group, but others said that um, the numbers or the frequencies are similar. So they cannot distinguish between type 1 and the healthy donor. So when we looked at um, the pancreas, we see so many CD80 cells that are specific for these antigens. And we observed a higher frequency than uh, reported uh, in the blood.
0: Hmm. So that's a very interesting too. So it doesn't, the blood does not mirror what's actually happening in the tissue.
1: Yes, in yes. the tissue, what we observed with our studies, um, we had, I have to say that, or I have to mention that we looked at 22 cases, and we had six healthy um, donors and five autoimmune positive, and a seven um, with type 1D. And the longest duration of type 1D was eight years. So we observed that um, the frequency was similar in the exocrine pancreas between the groups. The about And frequency was about um, between 30 and 40%. So it was really high in the blood, in the... The studies that were um, reported frequencies in the blood show that the frequencies are less than, sometimes less than one percent. Of course, it depends on the antigen um, and the cells that were analyzed. But specifically for these um, for this epitope for PPI specific um, CD8 cells, the frequencies that were reported in the blood were less than what we see now in the pancreas. Right. Wow. So I think a- it's very important to also to look into the pancreas. Um, and to study these uh, antigen specific cells in the target organ.
0: I, yeah, I, I agree, because this really sh- uh, throws some uh, light on the fact that um, in the clinic, even if you take blood, you, you may not be de- able to detect what's happening at the organ level, right? Yes. So that is really important. And what are your hypotheses? Do you have any hypotheses that you wouldn't mind sharing about how... Um, you know, these CD8s change from being, you know, fine with uh, PPI and suddenly not so fine? Yeah. I mean, there's
1: many hypotheses, right? And you think a lot about the hypothesis, what, what could actually trigger them. I mean, scientists also um, suggest that viral infection um, that maybe um the disease and other environmental factors. Maybe it's a, a molecular mimicry that um, we have a mouse model based on a molecular mimicry where the T cells are tolerant to an antigen, but when you infect the mice with the virus, they um, eliminate the virus and then they attack the beta cells which express the specific antigen. So there's so many habitats, it's very hard to, I think it's very hard to study um, molecular mimicry um, thing in humans because we don't have that many human samples and um, it's hard to predict when you get specific
0: virus and um, so that that 15th chance for amino acid segment is there yeah, anything
1: that there, 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 there are through similarities through. between some viral structures and the and the pancreas and islet antigens and structures yes so mm-hmm. but I think it's, it's really hard to predict the timing of an infection, whether it's really uh, induced or triggers the disease. Yeah, there are many hypotheses. Um, it's really, uh, it's a good question, yes.
0: Yeah, it's just so interesting that I wonder, you, you start thinking, well, we have a lot of, all these reams of data out there. Um, couldn't we maybe use that 15 to 24 amino acid segment and try to just sort of... Um, Go through all these databases that have viral, you know, viral databases, and see if there's any overlap, and then, and and then really try to drill down on that. I mean, maybe people are doing it; they probably are.
1: Yeah, there are um, studies that um, or groups that isolate islets and isolated T cells, uh, which are in basically infiltrating the islets to better uh, characterize them, better characterize their target or the uh, TCR and but uh, when we looked, we just looked at human tissue sections, and there are not another many papers that actually looked at antigens uh, in the human pancreas by immunofluorescent, for example, or immunohistochemistry. Right. So far, I think we still need to study, uh, perform more studies, to, in order to identify all of these um, antigen-specific cd cells. And um, what? Do, yeah. For example, in my study, we found that. Uh, Frequency was very high, but what in, for example, 30% of these CD8 cells recognize BPI. But what do the other cells recognize? What do yeah. the other CD8 cells see? Yeah, so are they, um, oh, is it, an, is it maybe another, uh, are these or another epitope, or is it another antigen? So there's still so many questions, um, to answer, I guess, before, um. We can really draw a conclusion or work on a hypothesis. But it was really uh, interesting that a uh, surprising result that there are, the frequency of the cells are so high. In, in, I, have to say, I have to mention in these um, donors, in the donors reanalyzed.
0: Yeah, it's almost like you have to create a landscape of, uh, or a library of all the different autoantigens and the timing.
1: Yeah, there are yeah, different autoantigenes and there are different epitopes and uh, peptides and also different hla restriction. we looked at hla a2 restricted uh, ppi epitopes but they're also hla24 a24 so you have to also consider other hla restrictions yeah but in our complex. study we observed yes it's very complex and what we observed in our studies in uh, the 22 donors we analyzed that the frequency of these cells was
0: higher than um, than shown
1: in the, in the blood, basically.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's a really interesting finding, and it's 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 um it's going to call into question some of these sort of biomarkers and what's why is there a disconnect there, which is very important. You really shone, shone a light on that <coughs> on that yes. on that. Situation.
1: And I'm so curious to know what the other cd cells recognize. What is the what is the target of all the others, or are maybe they're naive or are they antigen specific, we don't know what they do, right? I know. So that was, I'm so curious to, to study more, to analyze. Um, it's just very interesting.
0: So when you guys have the, get the n samples, do you ever receive uh, tissue from the lymph node of a certain donor in addition to the eyelids?
1: You can request also spleen samples and pancreatic lymph nodes, mm-hmm. but in our study, we haven't looked at pancreatic lymph nodes, they haven't studied pancreatic. I know that other groups, they also looked, um, when they studied ancient specific cells, also looked at, at pancreatic lymph nodes, and they found these cells also in uh, pancreatic lymph nodes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, because you know that's their substation, right? So it's like, what are they doing over there? What are they doing back in yes, the pancreas? Exactly, yes. They go back and forth, but the, yeah, there's a lot of really interesting work to be done, I think, now that you've demonstrated this. I guess I would ask, you know, how could, it, how, what do you think, how do you think industry can best partner with scientists to kind of expedite the process of characterization of all these, um, you know, the, the CDA cells?
1: I mean, um, so in our case, we received um, the tetramers we used to identify the cells actually from NIH, but there are also companies that are selling um, tetramers, uh, dextramers with high ability to um, detect um, these cells in the blood or
0: the human tissue samples. What are think, some of but, those companies? Just um, off the top of your head, do you, can you? I would,
1: I would have to, I would have to look it up. Okay. But Fred Hudson is one of them. Um,
0: okay.
1: And I'm not, I have
0: to look up the others, yeah. But Fred Hutchinson, yes. Okay, it's one so of NIH and the Hutch. Okay, for yeah. so the tech. There are also
1: other companies. Uh, um but it, the the costs of the tetramers or dextramers are pretty high, so it also depends um uh, how much you're you can spend on the tetramas, especially some of them are uh, short term lived and they don't last that long. Um mm. so it's also um a question about uh, how the costs, right? Um yeah, and do you think that and I would like to acknowledge NIH because we received the tetramers from NIH. It was yeah. really helpful.
0: No, that's fantastic because it helps the Yeah, cost. very happy that we were able to receive them. I wonder, you know, though, like if, if, if scientists wanted to scale this and really create a, a real library of all the different, um, you know, all the different seat, flavors of CD8s that are involved. You know, do you think there are many, any yeah, there are many
1: groups uh, that are already doing it and um, studying all the epitopes, of the AT cells and antigen, uh, the epitopes of the antigen, the different TCRs, different AT uh, cells. I think that what we don't know, to, what we still need to study, I think it's the actually human pancreas, the target organ, and where are they localized in the pancreas
0: mm-hmm. and there
1: are of course groups that isolated islets and looked at islet infiltrating cdet cells because there are, when you isolate islets and you isolated cdet cells from these islets you can also learn um a lot about the um reactivity or specificity about these um cdet cells so what do they recognize what is the tcr um, but what what I've, i would i what I miss, actually, is when you isolate eyelids, you miss the exocrine part of the pancreas. Okay. So I think it's also important to look at the exocrine part and to better understand where they localize localized in, 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 in the exocrine part. Are they, Sometimes they're just close to an eyelid. They're not there yet to infiltrate the eyelid. So yeah.
0: do you think they're, maybe, they're making a stop off at exocrine pancreas? or They're, they're somehow being influenced by the exocrine pancreas? No, it's just... Um,
1: it depends, you know, on the, maybe the stage of the disease development, where yeah. the teeth are, because the t- cells they also migrate to their target, or maybe, so, and it's in time, it just, we're, I think we're limited uh, in terms of, uh, in mice, for example, where we have different time points uh, in the disease development, different time points we can study, um, but we don't have that many uh, possibilities in humans. We only have one time point. The specific donor.
0: Yes. You know, I just wonder you know, like you, you, you've commented and said that a lot of different scientists are building all these, you know, uh, characteristics of these T cells and everything. But is there one repository where everyone is putting all their work re- just regarding characterization of the T cells? Is there one place people are sort of making a map of these the T cells that are engaged in uh, insulitis? or is it just sort of all different papers?
1: Yeah, there are uh, many different papers that, uh, and when you go to the scientific meetings, for example, NPOD, all the groups that present what they found and uh, which um, CDHT cells are more, maybe more relevant and more important in disease initiation.
0: Hmm. Wouldn't it be learn from. Oh, just sorry. Just saying, it would be great if there was like a some kind of repository where we, if we could. Build Do you mean
1: specifically for Taiwan? Maybe yeah. Yeah. But in general, I mean.
0: Build, yes. Where we could build a, almost like an atlas of all the different um, all the findings, basically on 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 what yeah, these have, CDCs are doing. We
1: have different papers, but also for NPOD, for example, we have this um, database, data share where we can, where we share information and about not just about the donors, but also uh, about um, um, the pathology of the pancreas but, and other information. So we have this data share where we uh, okay. have access to. And
0: What's the story for the NPOD meeting in twenty twenty one? I don't know yet. I don't know. I have.
1: You know. I, I I love the Anthem meetings, I love yeah. to talk to type 1 scientists and uh, um, it's so inspiring and um, I'm so grateful to be able to use these samples and uh, to l- learn a lot about type 1, even from from other scientists, not just from the samples but also from other studies, from other scientists who are working maybe on the same uh, donor right, or analyzing other um, Maybe cytokines from the same donor, and that we
0: can, the great ideas to combine our knowledge into. Yeah, I mean, the advent of NPOD was just a huge step forward, I think. And, um, you know, I, I, hopefully uh, that meeting will go forward in some way, virtual or not. Um, what do you think? Uh, I guess what, you know, what do you think that young researchers, I mean, your are young researcher, your early career researcher. But how do you think, uh, how are you managing with these COVID or pandemic challenges in your laboratory? And do you have any advice for graduate students and postdocs?
1: No, in my case, I was actually very lucky. I was able to connect remotely. And uh, I was in the process of writing a paper and also finished analysis for other projects. So luckily I was able to connect remotely to do some analysis and to finish uh, paper writing and uh, all uh, all the revision. And um, I was able to write and review. So it was a perfect time for me to write actual papers and reviews and to uh, finish my analysis. Good. So I yeah. think that's a perfect time for every scientist if if they if, if they maybe to use that time to do more analysis or maybe to write a review or to write papers if they're at this stage.
0: Yeah, a time to sort of synthesize everything you've been doing, maybe right?
1: Yeah. So I really took that time to finish, like I said, um, the analysis um, for other projects and to write the review to work on the paper and the revision. It was the perfect time actually for me to. Usually you're so busy with experiments and uh, you try to write or work on the paper on the weekends or the, in the evenings. And, uh, and now was the perfect time to really focus on writing. And and
0: I, yeah, and it worked out because now you've got a, a really nice publication. So uh, all's well, yeah, that ends well. Was, so. yes. Is good i'm so happy about yeah thank you i'm glad yeah and i'm gonna look forward to it and hopefully our reader our listeners will look forward to it as well coming out in october and science advances uh, a really interesting um, perspective from christine bender and her group at Jolla institute of immunology thank you so much for talking to us about your awesome paper and uh, we wish you all the best in the future and i'll be i'll be in touch again soon thank you